Which person has the Guinness World Record for most claps in a lifetime? The answer at the end of the show. My name's Tom Scott, and this is Lateral. I'm joined by three players today for this game. Two are old hands, and one is brand new. So we start with returning for several times before and back to the podcast. We're going to start today with Danny from Escape This Podcast and a lot of other things besides. How are you doing? You can't get rid of us. We'll be here every episode. <laughs> I didn't I didn't even bother introducing you by your last name there. You, you just, yeah, mate Danny, she's, she's back. It's fine. How are you doing? How's how's the show going? Oh, everything is going fantastically. I do worry about how every time I'm returning, I'm feeling that little bit less smart. So we'll see how it goes. But <laughs> Well, also joining us and also a regular on the show now. We, we have been going long enough that we have regulars. We have, you know what? You're not getting the last name either. It's Bill from Escape This Podcast. Uh, yeah, hello, it's me. I feel smarter and smarter every time I'm here. <laughs> Thank you both for coming back on the show and subjecting yourself to this again. Joining you is a first-time player, Amelie Brodeur, flo- flautist, flautist? I I don't know which I should use, uh, but professional YouTuber and flute player. Thank you for coming on the show. Nice to be here. I need to ask which word I should have used there. Is it is it flutist or flautist? Which do you prefer? I say flutist, but... Some people say it's flautist, but I don't really uh, mind. <laughs> Anyways, but it's it's more British to say flautist. Yeah. <laughs> and and you are definitely not British, so no. <laughs> I will take I will take your lead and uh, and go with flutist. Good luck to all three of you. Our questions today are going to be about turning assumptions on their head and seeing what shakes loose. Then hoping the rattling noise isn't going to be expensive to fix. You may laugh, but we're still fixing the previous episode. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you said she may laugh. Look, that's how I you, Tom. What? We are on, I've lost count of how many shows this is. We're on 20 something and I appreciate the enthusiasm, but these are only going to get worse from here. We're going to (laughs) start with question one. This is a listener question that was sent in by Peter Ellis. So thank you, Peter. In March 2018, soccer player Sanchez Watt was given a booking that is shown the yellow card by the referee. The referee didn't know the player, so a disagreement happened and the player was subsequently sent off. However, the referee relented and allowed Sanchez to stay. What happened? So I'll say that one more time. In March 2018, soccer player Sanchez Watt was given a booking that is shown the yellow card by the referee. The referee didn't know the player, so a disagreement happened and the player was subsequently sent off. However, the referee relented and allowed Sanchez to stay. What happened? Well, I know where I'm going with this. I know where my head is immediately, and I and I feel like it's exactly why we're on this episode. Because all I have is like, oh, there's a yellow card. What's it for? Yes, it is for what? No, what? What is it for? No, it's for what? But but what? Yes, what? I don't understand. What am I giving this yellow card for? It's for what? I know, but why? Well, why? Well, he plays for the Argentinian team. That's all I've got. So, okay, okay. <laughs> before you do the entirety of the Abacus Costello, who's on first routine, um, you have unfortunately got it immediately. What? No, no, that's not unfortunate. This answer. is great, because it means that we've got extra time in the episode to keep going. So, my question I, to everybody else... I even, I even pronounced... I, I even deliberately set up 
how I read that question to really de-emphasize the name. I really kind of just just glossed over the name Sanchez Watt as quickly as I could there. I didn't even write it down. And oh. yet somehow, the master of puns. But what is wild about this is because clearly, right, everyone who's ever listened to Who's On First, you can be like, okay, yeah, but it's a bit. Because if someone, like if I, if I was there, if I was in this conversation, I'd just be like, no, no, I apologize. You don't understand. You see... The, you know, like the bit in The Simpsons? He goes, uh, I mean, to be, not- to be clear, the, the who's on first routine, which a lot of folks won't know, is an old Abbott and Costello bit about baseball where the players are called who, what. I can't, I can't remember what the others are. There's a what's in my his name. head. I can only remember the version that someone did where all the names are swearing. <laughs> and that's the, Don't put that that's the parody version of it that's stuck in my head, which I can quote none of right now. But yeah, so what you're saying, Bill, is that everyone who hears that routine thinks, well, no one would ever actually have that be a problem. Everyone has the words and the vocabulary to clarify such a silly yeah. misunderstanding. <laughs> yeah. And yet... So the story what? goes, the, the actual conversation, if we take it away from, from the comedy bit, uh, was the referee gives him the yellow card walks up, asks for his name. The player says, what? And he goes, what's your name? What? what's it? And then he's sent off for dissent. <laughs> and, is, and, it, and it was resolved. Yes, they did the, the adult communication thing of someone going, no, my name is what, and they, they figured it out. So the, the booking was rescinded. I wonder if it ever happened as well with the police officer or in other situations. <laughs> yeah, it's a very, it's a very angry name. I know there's... People out there with the last name Null who have all sorts of problems with computers and databases because if you don't program it correctly, uh, you can put in a a query that says, if is Null, and that will give you all the the empty ones. So there was someone who had, I think, that name and just kept getting parking tickets because any (laughs) time someone put in a parking ticket but couldn't work out the car or a traffic violation or something like that, they would get sent the letter. It's like there's a place in America that has something like that that keeps getting tickets or something sent to it because it's like the geographic center of a certain place. So it's a default location. Yes. It is a farm somewhere in, huh, I should know this. I think it's Kansas, but I'm not sure. It's one of the big plain states. Um, it happens to be near the location that some big company at some point decided that's just where the label United States is on a map. When ah. someone types in United States, that's where it's going to go. So if you are tracking someone on the internet and trying to track down where their computer's located and the response that comes back is United States, some computer programs will just go, that farmhouse right there. So they had angry people turning up. They had all sorts turning up. (sighs) But it's no Sanchez watch. But yes, in this case, a question that was that was solved very quickly by the first person coming in on what he (laughs) thought was a joke is that the player was called what? And the referee took that as insubordination. Good job, Bill. <laughs> what? So after that, Bill, I'm going to ask for the first uh, guest question to come from you, uh, because it's going to give the rest of us a chance. So Bill, whenever you're ready, take it away. On a baseball team, there was a batsman, but his name was who? And he <laughs> don't, was on fir- don't, da- wait, don't you oh, dare. Wait, hold don't on. you dare. <laughs> So okay, for the so first my- thing for the first section, I was like, "Man, they've put two sport questions together." <laughs> oh, That's yeah. so funny. Uh, here we are. An everyday item has four tiny numbers: eight, six, four, and two, embossed on it. 
Each number is more recessed than the previous one. What's the object? I'll say that again for anybody who didn't catch it the first time. An everyday item has four tiny numbers, eight, six, four, and two embossed on it. Each number is more recessed than the previous one. What is the object? Anyone else just looking around their, <laughs> their location right now? Eight, well, I, I would, but I can see that Amelie's location is a beautifully appointed soundproofed music studio. And I feel like there aren't quite as many everyday objects as I have in my studio here. Yeah, no. Um, hmm. You said 8642? Mm-hmm. 8642. When you say recessed, you mean like smaller or less? They're like further in. So if if they were layered, it's like there's an eight and the six is slightly deeper in or, or it's more recessed. It's further into the object. The four is further in. The two So I guess the question, or one of the questions coming to my mind is, is this recessing? on purpose is that part of the design or is it just from use people are pressing certain numbers more than others and so it's oh, i actually them. got to do the thing a while back where i just walked up to um a friend's uh like they, they live in a big block of flats the entry code there were four numbers on that keypad oh no that were just completely worn away <laughs> and i'm like i mean it's it's gonna be a year it, it, it's four digits and two of them are one and nine. So I've got like a 50-50 shot on just walking up and guessing their code while they're with me. I'm like, I'm going to get to be this smug once in my lifetime. This is, And I picked the wrong, of the two, wrong one of the two options. Yay. And the police and came. <laughs> it, was, it was, I can't remember what the numbers were, but it was either something like 1975 or 1957. I guessed the wrong one and I looked like a complete jackass. So... <laughs> For everybody who was watching. <laughs> no, just to my friend who was like, why did you do that? Why did that? I was trying to be is that Is that Tom Scott across the road putting in the wrong code for an apartment door? Oh, <laughs> don't even. Because, yeah, that was definitely my first sort of thought, but then there would be more numbers that aren't being mentioned. I, I don't know. And you say it's un, like everyone would have that object? Yeah, yeah, everyone would would have well not not everyone but it's a very common object. And it's just like one model of this has the 864. Like not everyone's going to have a version with that on it. I will say not everybody will have the 8642 version. There are other uh, implementations of the same idea on similar objects. Is that vague enough for you clue <laughs> wanters? For some reason my head went like an egg timer, but I don't know why you would do eight, six, four, and two for that. That's not a a soft boiled egg, a really soft boiled egg, a not boiled yeah. egg, and a raw egg. <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm just looking at my calculator now, going, oh no, well, you know, eight zero zero eight five, but that's about it. <laughs> would it be more of a kitchen thing? You would not have this in your kitchen ever. This would have never entered your kitchen. Ooh. Okay. Oh, okay. Never entered. Well, now I'm thinking cars. Yeah, like, that's if something's where I never went. entered the kitchen, what is there going to be in a car that has numbers like that? There's something tickling the back of my head here, and I cannot work out what it is. Is this how rotary phones worked? <laughs> <laughs> is it in a car? It is not in a car. That's suspicious. Oh, th- it's on a car or around a car? Actually. 
It is also in a car. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, come on. You can't do this. It, to would, us. Be, it would be bad practice and, and, and I believe illegal not to have one in your car. Ooh. Oh. Okay. I, this isn't France where you need like a warning triangle and a load of stuff in the back of your car for, for safety. So, what seat belts are. I, I know one thing that I believe we require to have one of in your car, and that's the spare tire. Yeah, but not everyone interacts with that all the time, surely. Well, does it say that they have to interact with it or just that they have to have it? Oh, yeah. In which case, I don't know enough about cars to know what numbers would mean. (laughs) Is it like telling you how long you have to wait until a tire gets replaced or something? Is it a lifespan of tire? Oh, because the tread on the tire will have a millimetre depth gauge or something like that. Is it it something that gets eroded away or... Uh, Look... It, it does get eroded away. And I will say, in terms of what the numbers represent, Danny uh, and, and probably Tom, I would say, uh, definitely, you will have never seen 8642. That is not an indication marker that we would have ever seen because, I mean, yeah, you've, you've pretty much hit the nail on the head. So does that mean it's an America system? Uh, yes, that is an American system for tire depth. It, it, you, you, you cracked oh. it straight away. Wait. What are they measuring? What, what so, units okay, are these? Okay, don't get me started on what the Americans are measuring. <laughs> these are, these are uh, eight, six, four, and two, 30 tooths of an inch. Oh, so, my God. <laughs> so don't, That's don't even get me started. It's like, oh, how many 30 tooths of an inch do we need? Ah, I don't know. Um, you can reduce those fractions. <laughs> yeah, right. Your, st- your final one is two. Why not go one sixteenth? No, no, no. It's two thirty. The first two- one is a quarter. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, yes. So, so it is the depth of tyre tread because... Tread has a minimum depth, and, and it starts at 8.30 seconds of an inch, and as it wears away, you wear down to the six, you wear down to the four, you wear down to the two, and then there's like, okay, you got to change them. you got to change the tides. You're at the two level. Obviously, we wouldn't have that in Australia. We don't measure things like that. Uh, we don't actually have millimetre gauges in Australia usually. We have, and does anyone know another system that, you, that people use, a very common thing for tyre tread uh, checking. I I, th- I thought you were supposed to just look at the swirly pattern on it and figure out whether it's flat enough yet. Amelie, do you know? Is there any? Do you do do, do you know how to check the tread of your tires? I don't. I don't interact with my tires myself. Someone else takes care of that for me. <laughs> not even. Not even when they're in your kitchen, just sitting on the couch. Uh, so the common. The other common thing you often see is they just have a single ridge unlabeled, but it's just a ridge of rubber that goes across the the width of the tyre. If your tread is level with that ridge, then you need to change the tyre. The fun one I found out is that in Australia, uh, the official guidelines are also, they also are built around our currency. That they say, if you take a 20 cent coin and the and the bill of the platypus, this is so Australian. If you take a twenty cent coin and the bill of the platypus is level Sorry. with the when you say the bill of the platypus, I want to make it clear to Americans that this is not like a, a bill of money. Like it's not like a five dollar bill with no, a platypus on the, it. The duck bill of the duck billed platypus. And you're not also not getting an actual platypus, a thing which has a bill <laughs> and sticking no. it into the tire. The the twenty cent coin, which is itself embossed with a platypus, the bill of the platypus, if go. that lines up with the with the top of your 
uh, tire tread when you stick the coin in, then you've got a three millimeter tread and you're fine. But if you can't see the outside ridge of a 10 cent piece, well, then you've got to replace your tires. That's official guidelines. I feel like we're doing one of those things where they refuse to use proper measurements. So that there is a meteorite that's just landed on Earth and it is two and a half camels wide. <laughs> exactly. I, uh, I did burst a tyre going through rural Australia, which was not fun. Ooh, um, excellent. By sheer luck, it happened about two kilometres away from where I was staying for the night. So I just decided, rather than try and actually change a tyre in the middle of the bush, I just limped very slowly the last two kilometres on a dirt track and just and, and cheated and called roadside assistance because oh, I did not want to risk driving on my own frankly shoddy changing a tyre work however long I had to go. What sort of temperatures were you dealing with? Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I it was like either I get sunburned or I limp two kilometres to shade and that's, that's the priority right now. Plus it's a rental car. So uh, yes, uh, these are numbers that indicate the amount of tread left on a tyre. The numbers represent 30 seconds, 30 tooth, it's so hard to say, of an inch in the USA, the legal minimum tread depth is, I'm going to change it to one sixteenth of an inch. Hence the message, replace by two below the numbers. Next one's from me. Good luck, folks. For the 15th anniversary of the film Titanic, James Cameron changed something due to a complaint from Neil deGrasse Tyson. What was it? I think I know this. Oh, okay. You sit out of this one then, Danny. I'll give the others the question one more time. For the 15th anniversary of the film Titanic, James Cameron changed something due to a complaint from Neil deGrasse Tyson. What was it? The first question I have for you both is, do you know who Neil deGrasse Tyson is? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Someone at my university emailed him asking a science question and he replied. <laughs> he replied. He sent an email back that said, do not email me again. <laughs> <laughs> Emily... What do you know about the movie Titanic? I've seen it a long time ago, once. But <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, uh, did you ever see it? I saw it once a long time ago. <laughs> okay, so um, I guess it's something to do with, a, I don't know, a full moon that couldn't have been on that day or uh, I don't know. <laughs> trying to... Uh, oh, that's... That's because because obviously for people at home who don't know Neil deGrasse Tyson is uh is in as astrophysicist is this yeah. his best ty so professional pedant at this point I think that's also true he loves to like tweet about <laughs> so that's the person who's running a show about trivia never mind that's <laughs> glass houses uh, but no that is true like he does have a, a reputation for engaging with with pop culture and being like. Well, actually, uh, if you were ever that close to that type of celestial body, you'd be ripped up and fall into orbit and, and, and kind of poking holes in, in, the, in the scientific problems with, with movies. Emily, you are along the right lines there, but the, like the full moon would be a big thing to change on, yeah, yeah. Uh, on a movie like that. Mm. Okay, okay. Something <laughs> simpler to change. And do we and do we think it's necessarily a hundred percent astronomical? Because he also because like a lot of uh, people will also he might be like, well, actually, uh, an iceberg of that size would would have this sort of crenellation shape on top caused by natural compression forces. Add some put some crenellations on there, James. Like yeah, it's the interesting balance of something that is finicky enough. Neil deGrasse Tyson picked up on it, but James Cameron cared enough to change it. That's the interesting mm. balance point. 
And given that Titanic was, what, 1996, at a guess? It's around then. So 15 years later, we've, we've got decent CGI, but I will say this is, not, this is not something you would need a huge, huge budget to replace. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Emily, you are along the right lines here. Okay. So if you want to keep, keep thinking of that. Yeah, so well, is, is it something astronomical? Yes. Okay. But when but we're thinking not the full moon. That was along the right lines, but not the right thing. Like a sunset not on the right side or <laughs> that'd be a bit wild. Just I don't know. No, no, it's fair. But oh, I wouldn't pick for... up on it, but I don't know. That's true. If they were sailing west, which I, I guess they were now, I think about it. That's that's where the Titanic was going. And <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It would be obvious. A lot of people would have picked up on that. Okay, that was And the sunsets behind them. Uh, yeah, I you don't need to be Neil deGrasse Tyson no, to be outraged not... at that. I would be furious. Yeah. I would not have noticed that. I would have completely <laughs> gone past I wouldn't have gone, but the Titanic is sailing west. Did you know? I I wouldn't have spotted it. I don't. I don't notice a lot of things. So, um. <laughs> it, you're nearly there. It's. It's not the moon. It's not the sun, and thus it is the stars. The stars. The stars. It's the stars. Absolutely oh, right. Was it like a a, a sort of? Because I, I know that the stars either surely it's either like oh at that that time Venus should have been visible or this should have been visible or is it like things move. The the, the 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 constellations are not in the right places that they were a hundred years ago. I, I, I assumed, I haven't read into this, I've just heard the fact. I assumed that it was, they just used a standard green screen sky, but it was of the wrong part of the world. Oh, I, oh yeah. okay. Yeah, it, it was only half a sky. It was badly reflected on the other side and it was completely wrong for the time and location that the Titanic sank. And so... Neil deGrasse Tyson being Neil deGrasse Tyson went, I think you'll find that's wrong. And, <laughs> and James Cameron went, oh no, you're right. How could I have done this? Apparently. I suspect more of a publicity thing, but it is the sort of thing where, where you can change it and it does not really affect the integrity of the, the author's vision there. Mm. Because everyone always had one complaint about the end, which was, oh, I'm pretty sure Jack could fit on the door. And so I, I do like the idea of James Cameron being like, Hey, for everybody who's always been complaining about that final scene, I finally changed it. Welcome, 15 years later, the stars are fixed. Oh, James, <laughs> you got us. <laughs> so, yes, for the 15th anniversary of Titanic, after a complaint from Neil deGrasse Tyson, James Cameron made sure that the stars were right. Amelie, we go to you for the next question whenever you're ready. Okay. In 1966, Yoko Ono devised a chess set called Play It by Trust. It uses 32 standard chess pieces and an 8x8 square board. What was unusual about it? In 1966, Yoko Ono devised a chess set called Play It by Trust. It uses 32 standard chess pieces and an 8x8 square board. What was unusual about it? There are so many chess variants. There are. But it's Yoko Ono's version. Yeah, mm. like it feels like it, it's Yoko Ono. It, it feels like the, like the point is is the point that it's like a, 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 an an art display, effectively. Like this is a, a form of modern art, of performance art in the form of chess. Having it called like play it by trust. Yeah, you're you're quick. I, I feel like Yoko Ono would not be designing a commercially copyrighted version. <laughs> yeah, of chess here that is she's get not pitching it to Hasbro. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh no, I like that though. In, there's Hasbro just has a, a board with like Yoko Ono's face on it and a big, big production site. It just it, it's just a regular chess set, but it's Yoko Ono's chess set. So the yeah, yeah, Warfare. it's the it's the stepping stone to Parker Brothers doing Yoko Onopoly. <laughs> <laughs> I heard the brief pause before there as you tried to work out which O's were getting put. Where do the there. O's go? <laughs> Yo, Yokopoly? No, Yoko Onopoly? No, maybe Yoko Onopoly. <laughs> well, if you've got to play it by trust, to me, my first instinct is for whatever reason. You can't see everything, and you just gotta like mm. trust that the other person is being honest about what's going on. You're playing chess battleship of some sort, is how I'm picturing it. Oh, I saw it like the old. Um, you remember Command and Conquer, the video game, kind of real time mm. strategy game, where you didn't see the opponent section of the board until like you had a sight line there. Mm. You're in the right direction. Oh, really? <laughs> You're not there yet. Okay. Was the okay. board, Did you, like, we said that it was a normal 8x8 eight eight board. Was it definitely, was it in one piece, this board? <laughs> yeah, it's a normal board with all okay. the, the norm, with all the, the um, pieces are standard. Did you see the chat GPT playing chess thing? No. Um, well, no, is it terrible or amazing? Oh, so this is going to date very badly because in six months it'll probably be able to do this. But it, all it's doing is like predicting what the next word is. So it sort of knows how chess games work and sort of knows where the pieces might be, but it doesn't understand the rules. So it just cheats all the time. Because <laughs> all it's doing is going, that looks like a move someone would write there. I'll try that. Uh, what have you done? You've taken your own bishop. Well, I guess that's a thing you can do now. <laughs> but he's mine now. I've kept him safe. Okay, so it's something trust-based. It's got to be about knowledge or something hidden, but... Mm. Ooh, I've got a cool idea. I have no idea if this is in any way related, but now I want to play mm. it. What if okay. you, your king is in disguise as another piece? I mean, I know you said that it's all of the normal pieces, mm, but what if your king might king. not be your king? Oh, that's nice. <laughs> and that by trust, you just game? you just have to declare at some point. Oh, yeah, no, that that's not actually my king. Yeah. It's actually oh, this that one. wasn't my king. <laughs> yeah, you got to just trust they're telling the truth. My my question was, is it a two player game, or are there three, four more people playing? It's a two player game. Ah, if I was coming up with a thing that was about trust, I would say that one person. No, that doesn't make sense. I was like, one person is just making the moves in their head but that doesn't make any sense. Plus, like, that's that's a game for some chess grandmasters is just to entirely keep the board in their head and, and bounce things back and forth. You're in the right line. Okay. With the head, oh, you know? It, you have to yeah. memorize a little bit. Yeah, are the, are the pieces, you said they were standard pieces, are they actually on the board moving around? Yes, they are. Okay, okay, interesting. Are they this... This sounds like the sort of very late 1960s, extremely ham-fisted metaphor for what's going on in the world. Are the pieces all the same colour so they're not black and white? Yes. <gasps> You're so oh. good. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, they're that all white. That feels like exactly the sort of things that, they, oh, they went with all white. That is, I would have gone... I would have gone with shades of grey, personally. It's but, 1966, uh, yeah. so I guess <laughs> okay. uh, because it's to show the the futility of war. Oh, mm, yeah, yeah, that's... and you have to you have that because after a couple of 
of plays, you don't remember which are yours and which are the opponents. So you have to trust the other. So, yeah. But if you if you did it now and you did make them all white, oh, Twitter would be onto you straight away. <laughs> <laughs> the answer was making a statement against war. Whereas my first instinct was, oh, let's combine chess with battleship. Let's double the war. <laughs> let's make it two wars at once. We're going to fight this war on multiple fronts. Your, your king has been checked by uh, an aircraft carrier. Okay, that's, that's a thing. Yeah, so both players start with a full complement of 16 white chess pieces. While it's possible to start a game in the usual manner, it becomes harder to remember which piece belongs to which player. The artwork created in 1966 is symbolic of the futility of war. Next question then, folks. Here we go. Many skyscrapers miss out unlucky floor numbers, such as 13 in the West or 4 in China. However, when someone wants to visit the 70th floor of Trump World Tower, they have to press the elevator button marked 90. Why? One more time, many skyscrapers miss out unlucky floor numbers such as 13 in the West or 4 in China. However, when someone wants to visit the 70th floor of Trump World Tower, they have to press the elevator button marked 90. Why? Okay, so 70 is replaced by 90? Yes. Is there actually also a 90th floor leading to all sorts of shenanigans? Uh, there may well be, I think. Uh, I don't actually have the, the floor count on here, but uh, it, is, it is a big tower. Is it a thing with... Because <laughs> I think... <laughs> is it a thing, with, a thing with, like, he wants it to sound... To look like it's taller than it actually is? Yeah, because this was my thought as well. I love the idea of him being like... Oh my! Ta- I'm not going to do a Trump. Um, my tower is isn't. Sorry, oh, you, you're, the, you're not going to do a Trump accent. You, like doing a Trump. I, I do don't know hands. what that is. <laughs> I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do a Trump accent. Uh, and because because uh, Danny hates my Trump impression. Um, but yeah, someone's like, oh, the liberal media is telling you that my tower is only a hundred stories tall, but it's actually a hundred and fifty. And here's the proof. Look, and all the f- and he just keeps exaggerating the floor numbers. And so by the time you get to floor a hundred, it's actually you're, you're only on floor fifty. He's like, don't worry about it. Just keep going. I love that image of Trump. You are entirely right, Emily. You're, you're spot on. Good work, Emily. There are just. Floor numbers missed out all the way up. It's not specifically about 70 and 90. It's just that if you count up on the outside, there's 70 floors. But on the inside, you push number 90 to get there. <laughs> that is so insane. Like, the, if, yeah, if you... It's not surprising. If, if, <laughs> no. That's the like, problem. I went immediately to, okay, how much is this going to be due to an odd Trump neurosis? And I was going, no, you know what? Maybe it's somehow something perfectly reasonable. Let's try giving it the benefit of the doubt. There was no point doing that. Yep. One of the justifications uh, is that uh, his buildings often have uh, commercial units on the lower floors with very high ceilings. So those count double. Oh, <laughs> sure. I see. Yeah, maybe uh, Yoko Ono could uh, take a picture uh, of the the board and make it an art uh, <laughs> art piece called like Ego Inflation or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's a good Perfect. name. That's a really good name. <laughs> uh, the buyers actually signed paperwork that includes uh, the disclaimer that their floor number is not the actual floor. Ah. Wonderful. <laughs> at least they're not being tricked. <laughs> yeah, at least they know. <laughs> Yes, if you push the 90 elevator button in Trump World Tower, you will actually get taken to the 70th floor because some of the numbers are skipped. Our last guest question comes from Danny. Take it away. All right. 
you're not going to get this one right away. Not this time. <laughs> Feandra are a manufacturer of cat trees, the play tower for domestic cats. Once the purchaser has self-assembled the cat tree, the manufacturer provides two pages of extra instructions for a realistic reason. Why? And one more time, Feandria are a manufacturer of cat trees, a play tower for domestic cats. Once the purchaser has self-assembled the cat tree, the manufacturer provides two pages of extra instructions for a realistic reason. Why? Anyone here a cat person? No. <laughs> no, apparently just silence from everyone here. No I'm, cat people here. Not only are you not cat people, you're apparently terrified of them. <laughs> no, I, I like cats, <laughs> but I, I don't have a cat at the moment. But I've, I've got nothing against cats. Yeah, I, uh, I like them. I'm not a cat person. But I am very jellical. <laughs> oh my word! <laughs> no, you have Sorry. to keep that one. We're on Andrew Lloyd Webber references now. My word! Um, my immediate thought was that there is an instruction that says to leave the boxes out for the cat to just curl up in instead. So, Aww. but that, but that's not two pages of instructions needed. It that's, would be pretty just... wild to take two pages to say, "Do not discard this box." Yeah, the cat oh. is going to sit in the box and ignore the cat tree for a long while. But but what if it's what if that's it? What if it's a two-page instruction of look, I know you bought a cat tree. I know you're disappointed because the cat's just playing with the box. Here's how to extricate a cat from a box and get it to play with the tree instead. To justify your purpose. Your Troubleshooting purchase. your cat. <laughs> exactly. It's like a tree that the I suppose it like how would you describe these? They are sort of tree-like, but just sort of like a Play center for cats. So he can do his uh, nails on it? Like his. It, it's yeah, got those, I, it's got places for them to sit, maybe a little uh, sheltery looking one that they can climb inside. I would describe it as looking like a tree house almost without the tree. They call okay, them cat trees. So you've it. just got like a, a scratching post with like boxes on the side that they can jump on and yeah, in yeah. and around. And Is it to like tell it. people not to sit on it that they are for cats that an adult should is it stuff like that because sometimes you know people are surprised do not let your child play in the cat tree i have definitely seen those ones around we have a tiny staircase for our dog uh, it's a little staircase to help an old dog get up to certain levels and you'd think you'd understand this is a staircase for a dog but my younger brother still in his mid-20s went that's a staircase for a human, and put a huge hole straight through it. So maybe we could have done with the uh, with the extra instructions. And yeah, I've definitely seen instructions like that. It is not uh, in that case. It is not a safety thing. I'm trying to think of stereotypes about cats now. I mean, I I think you've already arranged yourself around the perfect stereotype of cats right from the start. Is it Ooh. like uh, something to do with like to give you um, instructions on how to? Make your cat play with it? It is not. I have an idea. I think I know what this is now. And I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out here. But let's, I'm not going to ask Danny because I don't want her to confirm until we've all decided together. I'll go to sleep then. About whether this is true. Because we, we, were, we were on it early on with the, like, oh, cats just play with the box. I wonder if the other thing cats love to do, because has anyone ever tried to read a book when mm. there's a cat in a house? If you try and read a book when there's a cat, it comes over and it's like, oh, what's going on here? And it pushes the book out of your hands and it sits on you and it's like, hey, here I am. And it plays with it and it just it wants to ruin that. I wonder if that's a problem with uh, 
instructions as well. And the extra instructions are like, give this to your cat while you're reading the real instructions. They're going to be playing with this paper and ignore you completely and not try and steal the paper out of your hands. Are they instructions for the cat to play with? <laughs> I don't think this- that you can extrapolate our cat-like dog's behaviour onto all cats that exist. <laughs> There's just a set of instructions that just say meow, 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 and it's just, yeah. just written in cat. It's for the cat. That's a very practical reason. (laughs) Uh, No, you were definitely towards the start. You were definitely very much in the right zone. What, with the cat curling up in the box, that sort of thing? Definitely not too far away. For box setup? Are they like, here's how to prepare the box for a cat to play with? Essentially, yes. (laughs) It was, you can turn this cardboard box, you can just manipulate it, do some folds, maybe some tapings, and you can make another little cat house. Oh, Oh, that's that's so cool. The two pages of extra instructions were for how to turn the cardboard box itself into a little house for the cat. Finally then, at the start of the show, I asked the audience who has the Guinness World Record for most claps in a lifetime. Now, I don't think this panel of two Australians and one Canadian are going to know the answer to this, uh, because it's a very American question, but I will throw it out there. Thank you to Ryan for sending this in. Does anyone want to take a guess? Quickly, oh, who's an American who loves to clap? I was going to assume that it could not possibly be a human, because humans can't hold physical records compared to animals, but now that you've said it's American, is it one of those really old-fashioned people who'd slap their knees a lot? (laughs) It's a ham boner! That's the one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A what? A ham boner. They ham bone. They go. It's an ancient art, Tom. <laughs> an ancient art. Emily, <laughs> <laughs> um, do any of your, your orchestras that you play in, uh, do, you, do any ham boners? No, that would be more in Yoko Ono's orchestras, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, th- this might be shown in Canada. This is someone on television, uh, but I suspect that it's not going to be in the sphere of knowledge. I'll give you one last one last shot. So, uh, the person who clapped the most? Yes. It is the hostess from Wheel of Fortune, Vanna White. Oh, Vanna White! Oh, oh, Wheeler's clapping! Fortune. That's all she does! She claps because and turns! Her- <laughs> she doesn't even turn anymore. She now pushes buttons underneath the monitors that they use instead of the spinny things. And any time someone guesses a letter, she gets a small round of applause... And thus, she is almost certainly the person who has clapped most in their lifetime. So thank you very much to all our players. Uh, Let's hear what's going on in your lives. Where can people find you? We will start with Emily. So um, you can find me on my YouTube channel, The Flute Channel, where you can listen to some flute or even learn the flute, where I give a lot of tips on how to play the flute with more ease. But I also play a lot of pieces. And... So normally, Bill and Danny, when you're on, I hand it to one of you to do one of your podcasts and one of you to do the other. We're going to start with Danny today. What's going on with your life? So if you want to find some of our audio versions of Escape Rooms, you can find that at escapethispodcast.com. And Bill. Uh, Yeah, and and our other big show is Solve This Murder. Uh, We would have recently wrapped up uh, a big Agatha Christie murder mystery that you can check out and hear me try and solve. So that is our show for today. If you want to find out more about what we do or send in a question yourself, you can do that at lateralcast.com. There are video highlights on YouTube at youtube.com slash lateralcast and we are at lateralcast. 
pretty much everywhere. Thank you very much. It is goodbye from Danny Siller. See you next time. There will be a next time. And to Bill Sunderland. See you next time. That sounded threatening. <laughs> and Emily Brodeur. Thanks for having me. I'm Tom Scott. This has been Lateral. Lateral.